What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. Thank you very much for tuning in today. You know, yesterday's show was a show I was proud of. I thought it was good. I thought it was informative. I thought it was funny. But yesterday's show was almost entirely Casey Mize-centric. Now, I don't blame myself for that because... It was the first great start of the career of your number one overall pick from several years ago, the first big pick of this rebuild. I don't blame myself for the excitement whatsoever, but I do think now that the Tigers have gone on and won another game, they've now won two in a row, guaranteeing themselves a series win against the Houston Astros, who are all of a sudden just really scuffling. I believe they've lost five in a row now. It was an 8-2 victory for Detroit. I think in my excitement about Casey Mize, I ignored some other pretty interesting and good things that are going on with this team, mainly offensively. But I am going to start this show by talking about last night's brilliant gem of a pitching performance by Matt Boyd. What has A.J. Hinch said many times? The identity of this team, he wants it to be starting pitching. And I, I think that was smart of him to identify an identity. But I think he also realized that the starting pitching, the rotation for this team, is the one unit that probably has the most upside. And so far in this series against Houston, we've seen that upside uh, come to fruition. If Is that a thing? Upside come to fruition? We've seen it come to be. We've seen some really good pitching. Let me explain it in layman's terms. The starting pitching has been off the chain. Casey Mize was otherworldly on Monday night, and then last night I thought Matt Boyd was sensational. And look, the final line is great. Six and two-thirds, six hits, one run, one walk, four strikeouts. I thought he was actually better than that. You look at the expected batting averages on, on some of the hits that he gave up. Two of them were, were singles in the second inning. I believe one had an had an expected batting average of 120, and the other had an expected batting average of .090. So some bad luck there. I thought in terms of pure stuff and in terms of how Matt Boyd was mixing speeds yesterday, I thought that's about as good as I've ever seen him, quite frankly. That was a sensational performance. And the thing I've talked about, and I brought it up in his last outing, I want to see consistency. I want to see three, four, five really good starts in a row out of Boyd. Guy gets popped once a month. Hey, you know what? Happens to the best of them. Right, but I want to see consistency. And three starts into the season, we've seen a fair amount of it. And you could even say going back to spring, we've seen it because he was very good in spring as well. Though I don't, I don't take a ton out of that. What it comes down to, I mean, for one, getting ahead and counts, and that's that's the the main thing really for any pitcher. But it's easier said than done. Like I, I've noticed this when watching Cleveland starting pitching. I, while I was watching the Tigers last night, I was also streaming Giolito versus uh, Shane Bieber, White Sox versus Indians. Remarkable game for not two amazing pitching performances. Shane Bieber is looking like a guy who wants to win two or three more Cy Youngs, quite frankly. But what makes the Indian starters so successful is they're never behind in counts. They're always up 0-1. And I think Boyd has done a really good job of getting ahead in counts, but not getting ahead with predictable pitches. I feel like last year you saw him, especially against the White Sox, I'm sure Matthew Boyd still has nightmares about Tim Anderson, but you saw that he was giving up a lot of home runs early in counts, and almost all of them on, on fastballs. And every so often he'd hang a slider, but a lot of first pitch or second pitch fastballs that were getting crushed, you're seeing changeups early in counts. You're seeing curveballs early in counts. And that opens up the playbook for him. That gives him more options. Then he can throw the slider with two strikes and try to get guys to chase. He could go back to the changeup. I felt like last night, really, 
And I'll have to think back to it. I mean, this is a guy who was one out away from a no-hitter in 2017. So maybe this is recency bias, but I don't recall a start of his where he had all four of his pitches working really well. I love the location of the curveball. He was actually, I think, intentionally throwing it more up in the zone, which which does make sense because you have a slider that to righties works in and a changeup that fades away downward to right-handed batters. I, I think it made sense for him to, to move eye level and keep that curveball up. There's a way to keep it up without keeping it up. You know, what I, you know what I mean by that? And that might be, I don't mean for that to be an innuendo, but I'm talking about the curveball, of course. Get your head out of the gutter. Or maybe I'm the only person thinking that. But I think that Lucas Giolito uh, is the king of that. He did a great interview with friend of the program, Bailey, a.k.a. Foolish Baseball, where he said, yeah, I intentionally throw my changeup up in the zone, and it, it's done wonders for him. I think we could see something similar out of Matt Boyd with his curveball, where if you're locating it, it doesn't really matter if you keep it up as long as you're changing the eye level. And I think he did a phenomenal job of that last night. Matt Boyd has been the most, the weirdest pitcher we've seen in Detroit. We've seen him be pretty darn awesome. We've seen him be gutter trash. We've seen him be everything in between. The one consistent thing about him through his tenure so far at the major league level has been the fact that he's been remarkably inconsistent. His only consistency has been his inconsistency. But he's an easy guy to root for. I've talked about how stuff is never the issue, and I think that finally we're starting to see the influence of Chris Fetter and the very analytically-minded staff that A.J. Hinch put together, and I think it's really doing wonders for him. He looks a lot more confident. Last year, Last year was a dumpster fire for him. And like I said, for the most part, I don't take much out of the small sample size of last year. Guys didn't have the proper buildup. They were baseball players are creatures of habit, so I'm not like I'm not freaking out necessarily about a lot of guys. But there are some players where you got to take pause and be like, okay, that guy was legitimately awful. Matt Boyd was one of them. I mean, he was he was having trouble getting through an inning last year. Maybe he had one or two all right starts, but I brought up he was giving up a ton of home runs too. And I think one of the reasons why he was giving up a ton of home runs was I think a lot of his pitches were kind of on the same plane. I, I think you saw a lot of fastballs up in the zone, a lot of hanging sliders. It, it speaks to the importance of of moving, uh, of changing batter's eye level and, and keeping guys on their toes, which I think he's done really effectively so far this season. Yeah, okay. And alas, I'm going to bring this up about Boyd, and then in the, the second segment, I'm going to talk about the offense. In segment number three, I'm going to preview uh, tonight's game, Michael Fulmer on the mound. But I, I'm looking ahead here, but it's hard not to. Matt Boyd is looking like a pitcher right now, and we are 11 games into the season, but screw it, we we had a 60-game season last year that never really felt real. I'm diving into this, baby. Matt Boyd looks like a pitcher who wants to play on a contender in the second half of the season. If that happens, and the Tigers are able to dish him out for a solid return this year, Al Avila will be probably the luckiest man in baseball. And I'll, I'll talk about this uh, until my dying day. The Tigers mismanagement of him and overvalue of him at the deadline in 2019 having this ridiculous asking price was absurd he was a extremely tradable easily their best trade piece and and they fumbled it I mean they I, I'd say they had the ball at the one yard line but they had it at the one yard line then decided to to walk backwards for 50 yards and it was fourth and goal on the 50 and they threw a Hail Mary pass that got picked off in the end zone that's how much they screwed up that trade deadline, but if he finds his way back, especially after the abysmal season that he had a year ago, and the Tigers are able to get something for him at the deadline, that's potentially very exciting. I mean, they may get a new lease on life 
regarding this rebuild because I think that Matt Boyd, considering how good he's pitching right now, you could get some solid major league ready talent back for him. It's far down the road. I know there's a whole lot of fans who don't want to see any more trades, and I'm kind of in the middle with that, but Boyd, I've I've never viewed as a piece of the future here, and uh, if he pitches like he did last night and and like how he's pitched through the first three games of this season, I I, I think his his asking price will and should be pretty high. He's, he's a little bit more established, I feel like, than he was maybe even a couple years ago. I don't know if they could get back the haul that they got in 2019 because of the contract not being as valuable as it was then. I've said it a million times. You don't trade players, you trade contracts, but we'll see. There's one more thing I wanted to bring up about the pitching performances, and my friend Jenna Rose pointed this out to me, and I thought I talked about it, and I'm bringing up her name because I want to let people know that I was friends with her before she got famous, but I just want to say I think one of the big reasons why Tigers pitchers have been so successful so far in this series is that A.J. Hinch is kind of a double agent here. He knows all the secrets. A.J. Hinch was around a lot of these players every day for what? how long was he in Houston? Five years? I mean, he knows these guys' tendencies. He knows their hot zones. He's already a very smart manager. I think it's just simply been a matter of executing those pitches. The game plan's been there, but I think the game plan is always there. I think A.J. Hinch puts his best foot forward every game and is like, I I believe this is a lineup and this is a a pitching staff that can beat the other opponent. Now, they won't always because it's not a very talented team, but I think they have taken advantage of the fact that A.J. Hinch knows that lineup really, really well, and it's led to a fair amount of success. But in segment number two, I'm going to talk about the offense, which is all of a sudden hot as a pistol. We'll be right back in segment number two. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, 12 other original flavors, Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health-conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, everybody. I spent segment one talking about Matt Boyd's brilliance last night, and let's talk about the offense's brilliance last night. i got to start off with Wilson Ramos, who's all of a sudden one of the hottest players in baseball, Two bombs last night. He had three RBIs, scored two runs, obviously came around to score on both those homers. That was a signing I didn't hate. Like the first time I heard it, maybe it's just like the Chris Illich like syndrome where I'm I'm inherently inclined to be frustrated by it. But when I, when I heard that, I was like, "Eh." but over time it made more sense to me in regards to filling holes. Like is Wilson Ramos an elite hitter? Well, through 11 games he has been, but not really. Now he's been a well above average hitting catcher for most of his career. Last year, small sample size with the Mets, he wasn't great, but still like relatively serviceable. Has always had an OPS, you know, kind of in the mid 700s, which is solid for a catcher, a lot of power. There's flaws in his game, but if you were asking me coming into this season, what I would rather have, a great defensive catcher or a solid offensive catcher, I'm going with offense because and I mentioned this a few days ago, the reason this team has lost so many games over the last several seasons 
one of the many reasons, the plethora of reasons, I mean, take your pick, but one of the many reasons is the fact, is not because they didn't have a good game caller behind home plate. It wouldn't have mattered. You could have put Pudge Rodriguez in his prime behind home plate. This team is still losing 100 games a year. It's about filling holes. I talked about that all offseason. Yes, I would have loved JT Remuto. I think that would have been a, a wonderful signing for Detroit. But you go out, you get Ramos for a year. He's been very good, and that's another piece again. 11 games in, I don't want to I don't want to jump to this yet, but Wilson Ramos had very good career, a lot of pop, could add something to do a contending baseball team. Not going to go there now, but yes, it's in the back of my mind. I'm all over the place today. Nomar Mazzara had two hits yesterday. You know, one thing about Nomar Mazzara that I saw and hadn't realized that makes him a far more enticing signing than even I gave the Tigers credit for. You know, they won last night. They've won two in a row, so I'm excited about everything. But he's only 25. Like, the upside is still there. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he, that he finds something in Detroit or maybe with another team next year. I mean, 25 is very, very young. I would know because I'm 25. And it speaks to something I've talked about regarding this rebuild from the beginning, which is if you're going to go out and sign these cheap one-year guys okay, fine, but if you're gonna do that, get guys who have more upside, you know, don't get like a Jordy Mercer or a Francisco Liriano, a guy who's well past their prime, I mean, I I would argue, I don't know if Jordy Mercer ever had a prime, he's serviceable enough as a shortstop, I guess, like, I can't believe he's still in the league, him and Josh Harrison are on the Nationals right now, but get a scope, get a crone, get a, a Nomar Mazzara, guys who have had so-so okay careers, maybe some really good years that still have a little bit of good baseball left in them. Jonathan Scope hit a hit last night, much needed for him. He's really been scuffling. He's another guy, I'm, like I said from the beginning, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's a professional hitter. Renato Nunez is a guy who I have not talked about uh, since he got called up, and that was the one move this year coming out of spring training that I didn't get. Renato Nunez not making the team and Harold Castro making it over him. The only semblance of an explanation that I could find is that Harold Castro is more versatile, which he is as a defender. I would argue versatility doesn't mean a lot if you don't play any of those positions that well, and I don't recall Harold Castro grading out to be some phenomenal defensive player. Maybe I'm wrong there. I know people have said Renato Nunez is a liability at first base, but my response to that is, look, defense will come later or it won't. This team needs bats. They need power. They need pop. And Renato Nunez provides that. He's here to stay. He's here to stay. He's off to a very hot start, has homered in back-to-back games. I mean, he's always had sock. Like, he had sock with, with the Orioles. I, I liked the acquisition. I was disappointed when he didn't make the team out of spring training. I think he got a bit of a stroke of luck. Or, I'm sorry, I think the Tigers had a bit of a stroke of luck. When he decided uh, he's going to stay with the Tigers system, he became a free agent after he didn't make the team out of spring training. Could have gone anywhere. Decided to stay in the Tigers organization, and he's now back on the team. I mean, he bet on himself, and he won there. He's played some very good baseball. even played some good defense, really, so far. The last guy I want to talk about, and he's been the darling of, of the season so far, Akil Badu with another home run last night. Now, it had an expected batting average of 200. I don't mean to pee in anybody's cornflakes, but it did. It, were, it was only a home run in one major league park, and that was Minute Maid. But... It doesn't take away from the story. The guy's batting 391 with an OPS over 1,400 right now, 11 games into his career. And the more I watch him, the more impressed I am with him. And yeah, I've mentioned before, eventually pitching pitchers in the major leagues will figure him out and he'll have to adjust and we'll see if he does. But there's little things that I've noticed because it's easy to say, oh, look at the home runs, look at the athleticism. But there's little things I've noticed in game 
that has made him more impressive to me. For instance, on Monday night, Kyle Tucker hit that, what I thought was going to be a home run, but it was a double off the wall that Robbie Grossman maybe could have had. I won't say he misplayed it, but but it went off the wall. Could have been a triple, but Badu was right there to back up Grossman, so when it hit off the wall, he was right there to field it, threw it into the cutoff. Man, Kyle Tucker stayed at second. He obviously didn't come around to score. Mize uh, shut him down that inning, but that's something small. But another thing I've noticed he has a really good feel for the strike zone. And I think that that's something that a lot of new major leaguers have difficulty struggling with. The The strike zones are a little bit different. You're facing different umpires who have their own strike zones at the major league level. Pitchers are smarter than they are in the minor leagues. And yet, he's taken some really close pitches, some really borderline pitches. He's very raw, and you would expect him to be somebody who's swinging all the time at everything. He's been very good with the bat, but it's actually been his lack of aggression at points that has impressed me. The way he's seeing balls in the strike zone, it's a prime example of a guy who's just seeing the ball really well, of a guy who's just feeling it. Like I I feel like every pitch he sees, he has a good feel for. That's the result of just being hot, and I hope he stays that way. He will have to adjust at some point, but there is, yeah, good vibes coming off of Akil Badu so far for sure. Only 22 years old, very confident young man. I've really enjoyed watching him play so far. A phenomenal story so far into this season. I was really down and out after the Cleveland series. They looked like complete garbage. They didn't hit well. They didn't pitch well. They didn't field well. They've bounced back with two phenomenal performances against a good Houston team. Houston's going to find it. Exoterizzi is going to find it. He was awful last night. If you would have put a gun to my head and said, we're going to shoot you unless the Tigers get to both Zach Greinke and Jake Odorizzi over the next two days, I'd have said, just pull the trigger now because I'm done. And they have found a way to get to both of these pitchers. One Hall of Fame pitcher, one very solid, serviceable Major League pitcher making his first start with the Astros last night. This is a bad baseball team. And again, not to be Buzz Killington, but I'm a realist. This is not a very good team. It's not a very well-constructed offense. There's holes in the pitching staff. There's a lot of problems that they have. But in general, when they win games, and they've only won five so far, 11 games into the year, I personally just have a different feeling when the games end. Over the last few years, I, I got to a point where I felt guilty when the Tigers won. I felt like it was a lie, like it, like it was something that, that had been taken. It wasn't actually real. It was a mirage. I think for the first time, I think what we're seeing is that for the first time we're, in several years, we're seeing a Tigers team that is actually trying to win. Now, I'm not saying they're very good, and I'm not saying Guardy didn't come into every game being like, all right, let's try to win this one, but I think there was a mood within the organization that is hard to pick up on when you're in that clubhouse, but it's kind of, it's like a wet fart. It just kind of wafts over the, the whole enchilada. I think that with the addition of A.J. Hinch, things have become a little bit different here. I, I do believe in the whole we can win tomorrow principle And these last two games have been as good as they've played in a while. And it's not only been as good as they've played, but as confident as they've played. And that is exciting. At some point, they're going to hit a wall and they're going to slam into it face first in a truck going 100 miles per hour. Cream rises to the top and talent rises to the top. And this team is not a particularly talented bunch. But they got some moxie, and it's been enjoyable watching them so far through 11 games. They're only 5-6, and but hey, uh, nice job, boys. All right, that will do it for segment number two. When I return in segment number three, I'm going to preview today's game. Michael Fulmer starting on the mound for the Detroit Tigers. We will be right back. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to help give you an advantage in your leagues. Lockdown Fantasy Baseball, it's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cohen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy, dynasty leagues, DFS, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Lockdown Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts. And we back. What up for the last segment today? Tigers going for the sweep. How about that? Going for the sweep tonight in Houston. I think I saw, I believe it was Evan Woodbury who tweeted this. The Tigers had not won a series in Houston since 2013 where Robbie Grossman was on the Astros and Jose Cisnero, I believe, gave up a, a game-winning home run to Matt Tuiasasopo. Times have a change. Tigers going for a sweep Tonight in Minute Maid Park on the mound for the Tigers. You have Michael Fulmer making his first start of the season after pitching some really good innings out of the bullpen. Nothing in nothing record with a 2.57 ERA. This, of course, coming from MLB.com. Fulmer steps into Detroit's rotation to fill in for the injured Julio Tehran. The former All-Star will try to make will try to take his rejuvenated arsenal from his brief bullpen stint into a starting role. His four innings of one-run ball in Cleveland were encouraging. Encouraging is the right word. What will be important for him tonight is, I think, making sure that he sticks by the whole Swiss Army Knife principle that he's had with his pitch repertoire. He has not just been fastball slider changeup. We've seen him mixing in more sinkers. We've seen him mixing in more curveballs. I think he's going to have to do that because the stuff is and probably will forever be less explosive than it was when he was with uh, Detroit in 2016-2017. And that's not a knock on him. I'm not one of those people who believes, oh, well, you could come back better from Tommy John. You can come back smarter from Tommy John, but I think your arsenal and your explosiveness is never as good after after the surgery. That's that's my belief. I think that's probably true, but who knows? Going to be a tall order. You got to think at some point Houston's offense is going to break out. I don't know what the expectation is for him in regards to innings. I don't know what kind of leash he's going to have on him, but I think ideally they're going to try to get about five innings out of him tonight. We'll see if he's able to last that long. On the mound for Houston is a pitcher I've always liked. Lance McCullers Jr. He comes in with a 1-0 record and a 1-8-0 ERA. McCullers makes his third start of 2021, but first against a team other than the A's in each start versus Oakland. He went five innings and allowed one run and two hits, but had one inning in which he threw more than 30 pitches. This is a guy who's always had one of the highest ceilings in baseball. Stuff is nasty, loves to feature that knuckle curveball. I believe he, th- he still throws it more than he throws his fastball, and that's a fastball that gets up to the, to the upper 90s when he's really feeling it. Pitcher with with a lot of confidence, dynamic stuff. The injury bug has plagued him. I was a bit surprised the Astros signed him to an extension in the offseason because he has been so plagued by injuries. But dynamic stuff, going to be a tall order for the Tigers. He's pitched some very good baseball so far this year and pitched some some 
pretty good baseball in the postseason a year ago. Always liked him. Good head on his shoulders. Sharp guy. Confident guy. Uh, I hope he doesn't do well tonight because I want to see the Tigers win. But in general, a pretty easy player to root for. Looking forward to this one tonight. Tigers going for a sweep. How nice does that sound? So that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. I will be right back here tomorrow recapping the game that was and moving on, moving right along, previewing the series against the Oakland A's. That starts tomorrow. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.